Welcome to the 160th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on January 5th, 2020. We are so far in the future. Oh my god. I'm glad that my flying car uh, got here in time because uh, otherwise I would have had to use my jetpack to get here for the recording. Being the future is awesome, folks. I use my uh, uh, floating skateboard. Oh, I love the floating skateboard. I gotta get one. I gotta get one. Folks, my name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com and I am 50% of this here's show. The other voice you just heard is my co-host and the guy who puts the in in indie, Carlos Rodella. Oh, I like that. All right. Yeah, we're going to do a new one of those each, each week, right? You're just I'm gonna... trying, but it's like pushing my creativity to the limit. I, w- I will be honest with you, though. I almost said puts the innie in indie, but then I'm like, I haven't actually nope. seen your belly button, and that's kind of weird. So That's I weird. Okay. It is an indie, but I hate the I, word innie. I did. And I hate that you made me say it, and I said it more than once. I hate that I said it, too, but that was what, you know, so I, I, I spent a few minutes every week thinking about one of these intros, and that's what came to mind, but I'm glad right. that, that Judgment won, and I didn't actually say that, although I did actually just say that. You did just say that, and also, maybe we'll get some more of my accomplishments out there, you know, because I came up with the leg warmers, and all these other things that I've actually done, and maybe you'll, you know, present those to the audience, so thank you You're for that. You're an incredibly accomplished, well-rounded person, dudes. I mean, yeah. I think that when people realize all the things you've invented, I mean, I was going to put New Coke. New Coke was going to be on the list. New Coke? Yeah, did we mention New Coke yet? No, but I definitely invented that. Definitely invented New Coke. <laughs> yeah, and uh, people never... people did not like it. <laughs> Well, you know, it had its fans. I guess it didn't. It wasn't a big hit. But there's yeah. a couple. There's like three people who thought it was really good. So, wait, that sounds like all of my accomplishments. <laughs> I have all these shows and all these everything. They're like, yeah, you know what? You got a, f- a few people that really dug it, and I'm like, cool. Well, that's you know, no true artist is appreciated in their time. Every famous painter that anybody's ever heard of, everybody thought they were a fucking hack when they were alive, and then they think they're geniuses when they're dead. So, Greg Kelly, this is not helping. I know, in 50 years. They're yeah. going to unearth the uh, the video game break archives, and they're going to be like, oh, my God, unrecognized genius. Why did they not celebrate this guy when he was alive? Every, like, Just like every great painter. You're like let, a master let, Let's move on. This let's is just <laughs> making me more depressed. <laughs> All right, folks. We are here. We are recording. Um, as usual, before we jump into this week's games, just a reminder, we have thoughts, comments, feedback, or requests. If you want to share those with us, you can contact us, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, good time to do some housekeeping. Uh, just for my end, I wanted just to really mention, um, when we were doing the recording last week, Carlos found a mystery sound, and we deduced that it was my furnace. Um, I am in a basement right now. I moved the Game Critics West studio. It used to be above ground, now it is below ground, and since it is winter, you may hear my furnace going off. Um, I can't do anything about that, because otherwise my family will freeze to death. <laughs> so I apologize to all the listeners. If you hear that like weird rumbling in the background... Uh, it's just my furnace, and we're trying to stay alive, so I apologize if that bugs you. And it will not be a problem in summertime. Oh my um, goodness, Brad, I just realized you're living in Frostpunk. I am literally... Li- it's funny you bring that up, because I was going to bring it up later, but I'm actually living in Frostpunk, and it's not wow. nice. It's not nice, and you have not to nice. keep that furnace going, or yeah, everybody dies. Exactly, so you know what I'm talking about. We'll get to it, we'll get to it. But Carlos, you had a couple items you wanted to mention in housekeeping real quickly. Oh yeah, just one thing. Uh, I made a video of the top 10 <coughs> videos of 2019 that we went through on our last podcast. I made a video of it, so just kind of you can look at uh, some of the trailers and some of the gameplay from the games I mentioned. That's something that helps people like get uh, understanding what the actual games are, because I do a terrible job of describing them. Uh, <laughs> so check that out. It's on the Game Critics website, right? Yeah, it's up at Game Critics. It's on the uh, front page right now. It's also in the blog section. Very well put together video, and in case you were curious about any of the games that Carlos picked, which he had a lot of uh, non-standard games. Um, we had some people really interested in those lists, but if you don't know what those games look like and you don't want to like YouTube those individually, he's yeah. done it all for you. There you go. Perfect. <clears throat> excellent, and then he, excellent. Yeah, I just wanted to also mention that enough people have, have mentioned Disco Elysium to me, and I it's been on my radar forever, and I'm going to be playing that... Um, kind of like uh, my next games coming up or whatever section but yeah it's it's just so it looks so incredible so many people love it so i'm definitely starting that very soon yeah it's funny you bring that up because on the comments after we did our game of the year show i had a number of people um ask about disco elysium because that's a lot of people's number one or at least a front runner um and i'm very aware of it i really want to play it uh, but i'm gonna wait for the console version if you listen to the show you know that i barely ever play anything on pc for various reasons 
But that game is confirmed coming to console in 2012 oh, this year. Not in, I mean, it, I was going to say coming in 2020. It's not 2019 anymore. It is now 2020, so it's coming this year. I'll probably play it on PlayStation 4, and when, when I do, I will talk about it. I'm assuming you're going to hit it on PC? Yeah, I'll probably hit it on PC pretty soon. All right, well, we will do maybe a spoiler-free discussion on that because I really am looking forward to that, but I know a lot of people wanted us to talk about that, so I'm glad yeah. you're going to get to it sooner rather than later. Excellent. All right, any other housekeeping, Carlos? That's it. All right, let's talk about the games because that's what I'm here for, that's what you're here for, and that's what I assume other people are here for. Other people? Anybody? Other people? Hello? Other people? Bueller? Oh, shit. Bueller? Shit, they're not here. Okay. <laughs> Wait, that's an old reference people might not get because they're young. Oh, man. It's funny you say that because I'm going through movies with my son, my 10-year-old. I'm showing him all the old movies that I really liked, and that's one of the ones is on the docket. We haven't watched it yet, but soon my 10-year-old will know what that means when someone says Bueller. And that's from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, in case For people, people who didn't know. Yeah. yeah. We're old. We're old. Yep. All right, Carlos, enough talking about our age. Uh, random, cheap, and or free indie game, probably on PC. It's your favorite category and mine, and it's always our first category. What do you got for us this week? By the way, that's a perfect delivery of what that is now. We had a hard time figuring out how to call it, but you just called it perfectly. I just locked it in. I figured yeah, you said it I think enough that's times. It. That's what it is. Uh, I have for us Ember, E-M-B-E-R. It's Ember. 249 so Whoa, that's okay, a that's steal. a deal. Yeah. That's a deal. They call it a CRPG, which is an old term, which I don't know if people will really use it anymore, but it meant computer role-playing game. Um, and it, I think they're using that term because it is very old school. It's like a Baldur's Gate, top-down, isometric view, uh, little character running around. Think Diablo, if you want a more okay, modern reference. Okay. But it's not a you know hack-and-slash running around killing a ton of things. It's taking your time, making sure... You have the right inventory, you know, old school RPG stuff. And, and is this turn-based? Did I miss that? Did you say turn-based? No, no, it's action. It's just not like insane oh, okay, okay. action. Okay. It's not like killing hordes of enemies, right? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, it's like more carefully, uh, you know, prodding out your um, your destination, where you want to go on the map and the maze, what you might be in, a dungeon. And then like making sure you have all your health stuff equipped. And you're still like using, you know, you still have cooldowns and you have things that are like Diablo-esque. But it's old school, right? Like that came before Diablo. That was like a computer role-playing game trope to have a lot of these things, which is, you know, drag and drop items into your inventory, um, you know, really click on everything on the map to see like a description about it or see if you can interact with it, um, loot things, and then, yeah, a story. But the story is very light. It's just a very simple, that type of game. And if you're in the mood for a simple kind of point-and-click uh, RPG that's from the old school, kind of harkens back to the old school PC RPGs. It's great. I mean, 249 is a steal. And the story isn't huge. You know, it's the idea is you come back from the dead and you're some sort of mystical person. And there's a spoiler there, so I won't talk about much about who you are. And then you just have to go on a quest and fight huge spiders and weird, you know, robot enemies and and uh, vagabonds. I don't know. Just <laughs> things you would things you, you fight would fight. Giant spiders, robots, and hobos. <laughs> yeah. This sounds like a really good game now. <clears throat> sounds like my life. Yeah. Um, Ember at two forty nine. There's no reason not to get it, if, especially if you like old school RPGs, Baldur's Gate. If you like Pillars of Eternity, um, you know all those types of games. Even Divinity Original Sin. It's it has that feel too. Okay. Um, Gotcha. And it is super simple. And also, there are bears in the game, because I'm always looking for bears in games, because the game we're working on um, has bears. And there's bears in the woods, and they are dangerous. So pro tip, as soon as you start that game, do not go fight a bear, because you will die. Which is great advice for real life as well. Yeah, don't fight bears in general. And also, <clears throat> they, they weren't doing anything. They weren't bothering you. So stop messing with the bears, dudes. Don't mess with the bears. And at that price, I mean, that's... If you've ever been to Starbucks, you can't get anything for two forty nine at Starbucks. No, so I just you know. bought a mocha, and it costs more than this game. Exactly. Skip the skip the bad cup of coffee that you're going to get at Starbucks. Buy this game and check it out. Well, okay, I was with you for a minute, but I love my mocha at Starbucks, so I can't agree. But okay, right, but well, you should skip your coffee and get this game. Skip it one day and get this game. All right, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, I fucked up already. We were only five minutes into the show, and notice I have already fucked up because I did have more housekeeping, and I forgot to mention it in the housekeeping. Let me say it real quick. I'll get to my game. Okay. Um, heads up, if you're a Witcher fan, if you watched The Witcher show on Netflix, if you like The Witcher 3, but you have not gotten to The Witcher 2, 
Uh, I was curious. I played it a long time ago. I don't know if you played it, Carlos. I didn't get into it because mechanically it's pretty rough. It's not nearly as easy to play as Witcher 3. But I did like the story. I bailed out of it and I forgot about it. But now that we're all kind of like back in Witcher zone, I kind of got the itch for it. And I was talking to some folks online and like, yeah, yeah, you should play it. Um, so I went to go check it out. It is backwards compatible. So if you have an Xbox One, you can play it pretty easily. I don't know about PS4. I don't think so. Uh, but it is on Xbox One, and I bought it for a grand total of $3. Whoa. So if you had never played Witcher 2, which is actually a really huge game, uh, has a lot of the same good story that The Witcher 3 has, same characters, same world, if you want more of that, 3 bucks, And that's a pretty low price of entry. It, granted, it's not as easy to play. You might have to get an FAQ. Combat's a little janky and a little rough. But if you want more Witcher, three bucks is a very low price to pay. So That's heads incredible. Up on that. yeah. yeah. And by the way, everybody watch that Witcher series on Netflix. Um, I, even if you hear bad things about like the timeline stuff, um, which we don't have to go into too much of a tangent on, but I think it's essentially telling three stories, and there are different timelines in the in the series. But then they kind of wrap up at the end. So I feel like it's not what you're hearing in the reviews online it's like a mess it's like why no. they even do that it's not that at all it just it is a little jarring to realize that you're watching three different timelines but once you do it's totally easy so don't let people fool you and discourage you from watching it it's very good like that's yeah the witch is dope good. dude i loved it we've been we binged it like i think in a day and a half i thought it was ex i was i was ready for it to be a train wreck dude i thought i was bracing myself for it to be awful because I got to be honest with you, those PR pictures of Henry Cavill with the white hair before the show came out were kind of cringy. Yeah, um, but Henry Cavill is Geralt. He's, yeah, he he did it. He it's did crazy. It, man. It's, he it, did it. Yeah, literally, the, the he embodies the entire character. So I couldn't believe it. A little pro tip: if you watch the show, if Geralt is wearing shoulder pads on his armor, that is past Geralt, and if he is not wearing shoulder pads, that is present Geralt. So in case you can't tell, and you're probably not going to be able to tell for the first couple episodes. That's what's going down. That helped me a lot. That was a good tip. And other than the timeline weirdness, that show is amazing. I thought it was shockingly good. Shockingly good. Yeah. Uh, moving on, just another heads up. I talked about uh, Door Kickers in our top 10 game of the year. That was my number three game of the year. Uh, the people at Kill House Games, the publisher of that, they saw my list and they actually named their Switch sale for me. Their Switch sale is called the Next Best Thing Next to Control and Death Stranding Sale. Because they were my number three after Control and Death Stranding. So if you oh. see that sale, that sale is named for me. And they put their game on sale to celebrate that we picked it as uh, my number three for the year. So shout out to Kill House Games. Shout out to uh, Door Kickers Action Squad. Which That's is incredible. I was, I, they sent me a tweet and I thought it was so cute and funny. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for that, guys. I love the nod. And uh, your game definitely deserved to be number three. So. Wait, wait. And that's PS4 too, right? I believe it is a Switch exclusive. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I can't play it yet, but I'll be getting a Switch on the 15th, so I'll play it then. Pick it up when you get a chance. Okay, so that's my that's my, that's my my housekeeping. I apologize for forgetting about that. Um, what was the first thing I was going to have? Oh, Space Pioneer. This is a... Wait a minute. Carlos, fill time for two seconds. Okay, do you want to tell my next Sing game? Sing a song. Uh, yeah, do your next game, because I, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. Am I... Am I Am I behind the embargo on this? Hold on a second. I can't okay, yeah. Show. Wait, on, wait for that. I'll um, tell you about my next game, which is very quick anyhow. It's a short, short one. Um, it's I don't think I mentioned it on the show before. I mentioned it on the Waypoint Set podcast, which you should check out. But uh, Super Mash, have I talked about it before? No, go for it. And then oh, I'm, okay on the, I'm okay on the, the embargo. Okay, Super Mash okay. is on, on Epic Games is where I found it. But it's also on the Switch now. Uh, and it's It's incredible. It's incredible. It's a simple game of you mash two 8-bit style or 16-bit style oh, yeah. games together. I've yeah. heard about this, yeah. And basically it kind of adds some randomness to it. So like you put some glitches in and then you play the game. So it's like a shooter meets an RPG. And you're like, how does that happen? Well, as you're shooting, you might go into a battle because you like touch an enemy. And then it turns into a turn-based battle game. Or you're playing a platformer. And it turns, it has shooter elements, or it has uh, adventure elements, or strategy elements, or something. And it just it mixes all the genres together. And there's only like I don't know six different platform type, you know, uh, platforms. So like shooter, RPG, action adventure, puzzle. Is there a dating sim? There's no dating sim, but that's Damn a it. good idea. Uh, maybe an expansion. <clears throat> and yeah, it's it's it. 
okay, the idea kind of wears thin a little bit because you kind of get the idea once you've done most of the mashes. But the glitches is really cool. So the glitches will just be random. And the glitches could be like, every time you don't attack for like a second, all the enemies die. <laughs> and you're like, wait, then I don't have to do anything. Or every time you attack a bunch of times, the enemies freeze. Or whenever you do something, something else happens. And so that randomness really, really makes the games different. Like one time I was in a turn-based battle in an RPG setting, and like, I don't know, every two seconds, just a random object would appear. So the screen was just full of all these bricks with eyes. <laughs> and I was like trying to find where the enemies were to attack because there was too many bricks in the way. Um, that sounds bizarre. It's bizarre, very interesting. Um, and it has kind of a Sims backstory where like you're kind of a character and he's at a video game store and there's still kind of like adventures and like you have to talk to people. So there's a little bit of that going on. And then you just jump into the, the games that you make. Um, I think, I mean, it's super cheap. Um, I forgot how much I picked up on Epic Game Store. It was totally affordable. I think you should check it out. Super Mash. Super Mash. All right, cool. That sounds like an interesting yeah. one. I did see that before. Looked pretty interesting. I held off, but uh, that sounds pretty good. Have you finished it or not yet? Just kind of mess around with it? Yeah, you don't, I don't know if you, I guess there is a story to finish, but I don't. Yeah, more. I'm just like addicted to making new games, so sure, I just sure. keep making. Oh, and you can share those games with others, which is cool. Like online. Yeah, 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 like a code or something. Interesting. Okay, cool. That is Super Mesh. Excellent, excellent. Okay, now back to my game. Thank you for filling time. Uh, I started to talk, and then I thought, "Fuck, I do not know if we're before or after the embargo." We're actually fine, which is which is good. Um, we get a lot of codes at Game Critics, and I keep a little list of the embargoes, and I usually check them before the show, and I totally forgot. And it would be exactly like me to talk about an entire game and then realize I can't talk about it. So <laughs> thankfully, we're fine. Talking about Space Pioneer on the Switch. Um, I'm not sure if it's on other platforms because we don't do any research on the show, as you all know, folks. Mm -mm. Um, this caught my eye. It is a top-down isometric uh, shooter, twin-stick shooter. Uh, you start as a spaceman, I guess a space pioneer to be exact. You have a little robot buddy with you, and then you beam down to planets and shoot literally everything that moves while you're doing little missions. And the missions are very simple. It'll be like, um, go find a can of gas, and there'll be like a little arrow on the screen that points you towards the can of gas. You shoot everything on the way, get the can of gas, fly over, or, you know, walk over to a spaceship that's out of gas, fill up the spaceship, spaceship takes off, mission accomplished, you leave the planet. They're very simple, straightforward, bite-sized missions. You can play each level in like five minutes tops. Like it's just in and out, in and out real quick. Uh, the reason that I, I started playing this, it wouldn't ordinarily have caught my attention. But I looked at a video of this because uh, a PR person sent me a video. And I, I watched it for a second. And I'm like, God damn, this kind of looks like Helldivers. And people who listen to the show know that that is not only one of my favorite games ever made, but like one of the finest co-op games like ever made of all time. Like that is near the top for me. That game is phenomenal. You might mention it every episode, but continue. I mention it literally every episode, yeah. and when I'm not recording, I still talk about it. Yeah, in your sleep. You're like, eh, 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 hell divers. Eh, exactly. exactly. Hell divers. Yeah. I'll, be any, I'll be in the shower. I'll be making love to my wife. I'll no, be in dinner. No. Hell yeah, divers. No, I knew you would do that. Don't. <laughs> no. Anyway. Give me, an Im give me a visual, too. <laughs> well, moving on. Moving on. Hell divers is great, and so this very much reminded me of how Helldivers looks. So I'm like, okay, I'll give this a shot. And to be honest with you, it is very... I'm not going to say it's the same thing as Helldivers, but there are a lot of cues that are similar. I would bet you any amount of money that the people who made Space Pioneer really love Helldivers as well, because it's got that flavor to it. It's got that same kind of vibe. It's not the same. It's not as deep. It's not as rich. It's definitely not as hard, uh, but it's got that same vibe. Uh, what, so what happens is you can call things down from the sky. You can uh, equip yourself with different weapons. You just run around getting these little objectives. And it's just a real kinetic, real fast-paced. If you want something to keep your hands busy, it you know gives you something to shoot for five minutes and you take a break. So it's a good time filler. Um, I like it in general. I think the graphics are pretty cute. They're very um, pastel and bright, which is kind of a, an unusual thing for a space game. You don't see that too often um, to the extreme that these guys are taking it. But it looks real good. looks real cute. The only hesitation I have about this game is that they are using like the... Uh, mobile game star system, you know, like if you ever played a mobile game where they have like, oh, oh one, I two, and three it. stars. Yeah, I hate it too. Yeah. So they do that here, and each star is related to a certain thing. Like it'll be like every level has three stars. First level or first star will be beat the level. Second star will be beat the level with 
XYZ weapon. So they want you to use a particular weapon. Third level will be uh, you know, don't take any damage or beat the whole level in less than 30 seconds or you know something like that. Um, so they give you something to do because these levels are so quick that if you didn't have a goal, you would just shoot through the whole game in an hour. Uh, but at the same time, some of them are kind of irritating and some of them uh, require to use other characters, which would be fine, except that it does kind of get a little bit grindy where you, you have to start leveling up your gear, better armor, better guns. But to do that, you have to kind of replay levels to get enough money because you do not make enough money just by playing each level once. So that's a little bit of a bummer. It kind of cooled me off a little bit. If I was able to just make enough money as you go, that would have been fine. I'd feel much more happy about it. And I do like it. I mean, I think it's cute and I think it's a good a good little bite-sized thing on the Switch. It's just a little bit of a bummer that you have to grind in order to be good enough to qualify for some of those stars. And you got to do the stars to keep going because if you don't have enough stars, you can't get the later levels. So you're eventually going to hit a point at which you cannot progress and then you got to go back and do other levels you've already done, you know, and get some more money. So hold on, <clears throat> this brings up a good point, um, and it sounds like an interesting idea and game. So I think people should check it out, especially for bite-sized chunk entertainment. Um, and of course, anything close to Helldivers is it's really worth a look. Game. Yeah, absolutely. But my question is, <clears throat> I'm wondering why people do that concept of the stars. I know on phones it makes sense because they want people to stay and spend money, and they want them just to basically stay in their ecosystem they built. But like um, games like What the Golf does it where you if you beat the course and then you beat it again to get the crown, they give you a different map essentially, right? It's not the same golf course, and then you Which get is the cool. crown. Very so, cool. Yeah, that <clears throat> makes you. And by the way, everybody go play What the Golf. But um, that makes you incentive to replay the level because there's something different about it, or maybe even if it's remixed or something, like that level you're talking about where you're going from the spaceship to whatever the other spaceship. Maybe yeah. that's now it's got a hill in the middle or something. Just something right. simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you go like, yeah, that makes sense. But then if not, then are they padding it because they think that gamers want more hours out of games? Is that still a thing? I think that is definitely still a thing, and I think that's exactly what it is. Because when you do these other stars, I some games I have played some games where they do remix it. Uh, they do not remix it. It's like the exact same level. So on one hand, it's okay in a sense because you know what to expect, and that's fine. But on the other other hide, I can't talk on the other hide. The other hide. On the other side, yeah, it's just the same level again, and you just have to do it a slightly different way. So it does feel like padding. It does feel like they just you know they don't want you to be done with the game in an hour. But there's no DLC. There's no microtransactions. I don't know if this started out as a mobile game. It wouldn't surprise me, but there's nothing else to buy, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense that they have you grinding for cash the way that they do. The only thing you get out of it is more forced playtime, and it's not the good kind of playtime. Like It's not the kind where I want to just keep hitting it and keep hitting it because I'm really enjoying it. It's like I just want to finish the game, but to do that, you got to grind, so I'm not a fan. I'm going to guess that. I'm going to guess that it was a, a mobile game that got ported and then you're just like, well, we have to, you know, we're not going to change it, or... It is what you said, the latter, where people, developers, still think that they need to pad games for hours. And we're here from So Video Games Podcast to tell you, you don't have to. Agree. Because you do not we're still going to, we're, you're still mentioning the game on the show, right? Like, Yeah, and I would, I would like it even better. If I was able to fly through these levels and come back if I want to, not because I have to get more stars, I, I would have happily recommended this game with no caveat. So instead, yep. I, I still think it's an okay game if you want a little bite-sized action. But now I have to add a caveat where it's like, you know, you will hit that grind wall at some point. And it's not the most brutal thing I've ever seen, but it's kind of a bummer because I don't think it needs to be there. So yeah. anyway, Space Pioneer, if you're like me and you're jonesing constantly for more Helldivers, this is not it, but it's somewhat close. It's in the ballpark. Um, so maybe check it out if you're if you swing that way. Otherwise, it's just a great little actioner. Just be ready to grind once you get, you know, halfway. So there we go, Space Pioneer. Carlos, you talked about Rage 2 on your top 10 of the year. I was surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised. But you really seemed to really like it a lot. And you mentioned that you were going to, you were getting so jazzed talking about it on the show that you were going to go and play it after we got done recording. Did you actually do that, sir? I did that into an, an insane level. An oh, insane shit. level. Um, All right, Rage 2, fill us in, sir. So there's a lot of DLC and... The game is, yeah, beautiful, precision shooting, very fun, uh, like all the things I mentioned on the 2019 uh, best of list. And the DLC is there's a small quest uh, that you can buy. Essentially, what you have to do is you have to buy Rage Coins, which is weird. But if you spend like 20 bucks on Rage Coins, you is this real money? It's real money, but you okay. can 
but you basically are buying the DLC. So it's just a, okay. way, a way to do it, right? So with about 20 bucks, you can get most of the DLCs. I think bo- both of them. Um, there's three. One's a really teeny one that takes really, really quick mission. And then there's Terramania, which is where you go to a different world and battle skeletons. And in general, I don't like that stuff. But Rage 2 is so ridiculous, I was like, I'm just going to go with it. And what's cool about Terramania is it you get a sword from it. So you get this bone sword. Now, put an asterisk on that because the bone sword is pretty badass, but it's also a close-up, you know, melee weapon. And so, you're mo- Mr. Melee, right? I love melee, but in this game, I've been loving the shooting because I literally don't like shooters in general, and I really, really like the shooting in Rage 2. It felt very good. Like I mentioned on the top 10 list, it's, it's very satisfying. So I was, like, very confused on what to do now because I'm like, oh, well, this is a cool melee weapon. But in that game, lots of enemies will attack you from a, a long distance away. So it's a little tricky to, you know, have to basically dash at them unless you're like in close range if you're in close range it's great you can just like slay people so okay so terramania pro tip play that secondly because basically the first uh the other dlc is called rise of the ghosts and it's more takes place like just on a different island in the main map and it's about a whole other faction that kind of came to power while you were doing other things and you've got to go take out that faction and that thing is a whole island it's like a whole other map of like tons of quests and an actual main storyline. I mean, it's a full, it's a, I wouldn't say a full game, but it's pretty close. It's a huge section. So the thing is, that's about like out of scale of one to 10 difficulty. It's maybe like a seven or eight. Terramania is a 10 the whole time. Oh man. Like so, it's so really, really like hard. Post game content for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would suggest pro tip play the rise of the ghost first and then Terramania. The thing is, this is the trick. In Terramania, you get the sword. So I got the sword. I, I did Terramania first and sweated through it. And then I came out to Rise of the Ghost, and I had the sword, and a lot of that game is close range. So I just destroyed with my sword. And now this is very granular into the DLC. I, I'm here to say that bo- all the DLC is great. The game itself is great. You should revisit it. But when I was play, playing Rise of the Ghost with my sword, it literally felt like Dishonored. Like, because uh, you were getting up close, you were doing... Getting up close, doing the sword, like, and you have a dash power, so you literally dash from enemy to enemy. And one of the skills you get from like the Terramania thing is the sword can like uh, recharge your dash. So I was essentially like a pinball. Like I'd run into an area and go, dash, kill, dash, kill, dash, kill. And I don't think even the Dishonored I was that good. So if you like Dishonored, which is the weirdest thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that coming. Right. <laughs> if two. you like Dishonored or Dishonored 2, play Rage 2 DLC and get this sword. And it feels like that. It's incredible. Let me ask you. Um, so does the difficulty in this game scale at all or does it not scale? No, like? no. Fuck that shit. I hate that stuff. Okay. Well, I was going to ask because it seems like this is a cool sword and that seems like a cool power, like the dash killing thing you were mentioning. I was just wondering, like, if a person who had never played Rage 2, like, bought it or downloaded it or whatever, if they jumped into it, could would it be feasible to do that skeleton area first? Because, like, if it's scaled, maybe you could... Maybe you could power through it and get the sword like right. way earlier for the rest of the game, or you don't think that's possible? I don't think so. But the th- the good news is this: oh, maybe I do. You get the sword early on, like the, the, as soon as you start Terramania, <clears throat> you get the sword. Oh wait, no, I know the I know the trick. Thank you for telling me this. I know the trick. Okay, here's the pro tip. Everybody listening? Pro tip. This is a magical present for you. I just remembered because Brad got me here. When you start Terramania, so go buy Rage Two now. Okay, right after now, you've done wait, that, right we'll now. Wait. Go ahead. Whoa, whoa, wait. Okay, and you're back. You're back. Go start Terramania, buy Terramania, and then you'll get a sword in the beginning. I think if you do like one mission or fail or whatever, then you come back to the cabin, and I think you can leave the cabin. Is that the cabin of the beginning of Terramania? In the beginning of Terramania, sorry. And you can get back to the real world with your sword. So get the DLC, do the first mission, get the sword, and then go back to the main game. You could do that. That's a super, super pro tip if you wanted to do the sword through the other missions. Uh, it's just so fun. I, I can't. And it's Avalanche, by the way. So Avalanche makes Just Cause and one of my favorite series of all time. So 
and the criminally underrated Mad Max, which was phenomenal. Yes. There's there's my two cents. It's, I went on way too long, but Rage 2 is very, very good. And as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go play more of it. And I, beat, I, was, <laughs> I was just going to ask if you finished it all up. I mean, you, you, I you finished just... everything. Like all, all, any sort of story thing is done, but okay. there's so many little side missions still. You know, like these little like outposts and whatever that I have to, like literally. Okay, this is my last thing I'll say about it. <laughs> As you can see, I'm excited. I can tell. Next episode of the podcast, I think I will have 100%ed that game, which I don't okay. do in any game. Uh, that was my question because I was like, are you just playing this for fun or is there actually, are you still actually like achieving things? But you're taking out all the outposts, you're doing all the. It's all the outposts now, and there's like some, you know, like bounties and like a little bit of okay, story okay. stuff. So there's some extra stuff. But there is like, I mean, it's a massive land, and I feel like. All I want to do is play that game above all other new games right now. So I'm 100% it, and I'll tell you about it on the new episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Um, speaking of revisiting games we talked about, I wanted to do a really quick uh, wrap-up on Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, I think I mentioned before that I was starting to play this. I, I talked about this in the show, right? Did I mention oh, yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I finished it. I finished it uh, over the holiday break, and uh, i got to say I'm glad that I played it. I really bounced off it the first time I played it because I got to be honest with you at that time I had just finished Metal Gear Solid 4 and I didn't think it was very good at all uh, especially the story which I thought was terrible and when I got into 5 I already had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder against Kojima because I think he's a terrible writer which spoiler he is and <laughs> I started Metal Gear Solid 5 when it came out and that first mission where you like I don't know if people remember this but in the very first mission it's really ridiculous. All sorts of stuff happens. It's a, it's like a one-hour prologue mission, which takes a really long time to get through. And at the very end of it, you're riding away on a horse. You're being chased by a guy who's on fire. You're being chased by a floating psychopath. And then a giant flaming whale breaches in the sky for literally no fucking reason. And I'm like, I, I just can't do this right now. I'm just not in the zone for this. So I put it away. But I came back to it. I'm glad I came back to it. Uh, the game gets away from that crazy stuff for a long time. You get to the middle chunk where it's just like a lot of really good gameplay, a lot of stealth. Um, I got to do some missions with uh, my buddies. I think the buddy system in Metal Gear Solid 5 is pretty good where you could choose one person to go with you on a mission. It could be a person, it could be a thing. You have uh, Quiet, the bikini sniper, who doesn't talk. Uh, kind of problematic, but she comes with you. She's a great support person, wonderful sniper. Uh, it's really fun to have her shoot from like the west end of the compound and everybody goes over there to get her while you're sneaking around on the east end. It's great cover. Uh, really had a good time with uh, D-Dog, which is like a half-wolf dog that goes with you and he can sniff people out. And he's got a little knife on his on his, uh, his backpack and he can like run forward and stab people with his knife, which is, if you've never seen a dog stab a person with a knife, let me tell you, it's worth the price of admission. It's adorable. It's really cute. Uh, got a little mech suit that I could ride around. That was really fun. So that was really good. I thought the gameplay got pretty good. Um, I did all of the story missions. I completed it all the way, so I saw all the secret ending, and I did everything in, you know, anything story-related, I saw all that stuff. I didn't 100% the game, because that is a massive, massive game. I uh, It took me, I think, 75 hours to roll credits on it with, to, with the, the real, actual secret ending. So that was a lot of time. That's more time than I generally spend with games. But I gotta be honest, I mean, I really was enjoying the mechanics of it. Uh, I enjoyed playing it. I thought the system was really good. Some of the scenarios are pretty challenging. Um, I will say, though, that the story in the game, also a trash fire, just like it is in Death Stranding. Um, and I'm not sure which one is worse. Like, they're both real bad in a lot of ways. But I think, I think honestly, the story in Metal Gear Solid V is worse because what he does with um, women in that game, specifically with Quiet, is so over-the-top unacceptable and not okay like it's not okay he treats her like shit in many cutscenes with like really no justification or logic attached to it it's almost like he's like working out his issues because his girlfriend dumped him or something and now he's getting back at all women and there's one cutscene at the end of the game which legitimately was disgusting and like really turned my stomach i'm not going to get into the details of it here because i don't really even want to talk about it because i thought it was too graphic and disgusting but it's like basically the last big cutscene with quiet where she's captured and her captors do some stuff to her, which I thought was just, like, really unacceptable and gross. So I did not like that at all. I don't like the way this game treats women um, a bit. And that's been a Kojima problem for a long time. He got away from it in Death Stranding. Um, I don't know if he had producers who were over his shoulder or, or what. But he, he pulled way back on that. I didn't remember too much 
stuff uh, relating to women being that offensive in Death Stranding, but Metal Gear Solid Five, it's pretty fucking bad. Mm. So I was not happy about that. But um, putting that stuff aside, which was difficult, um, the gameplay I thought was great. I'm glad that I went back to see it for myself. I'm glad I played it. And I mean, mechanically speaking, that was what I was in the mood for because I, I you know, we did everything in Death Stranding, and I wanted to do more. And Death Stranding, you know, doesn't have any DLC or anything, so. It was the right game at the right time, but man, that guy is a terrible writer, and he really has a problem with women, which I think he needs to get some help with. It's um, like you'll mention Helldivers every episode, and that Hideo's a terrible writer. He is episode. the most terrible writer. He is yeah. the most terrible writer. It is ridiculous that anybody thinks he knows how to write. Well, it's anyway. that people glossed over that issue, though, because I think that, you know, some people are like, oh, the game's so great, but yeah, I guess we'll deal with a little of that bullshit with the, you know, treating women terribly. Oh um, man, and just get and just like gloss it over because like yeah, it should be brought to light if it's like really bad. It's um, really bad, dude. He just he really puts quiet through the ringer for really no reason. And that final cutscene was just one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in a video game in my life. I like it was I was offended at like what was going on in that cutscene, and it takes a lot to offend me. It so. sure does. So all right, yeah. All right. Anyway. Finished it up. Just wanted to wrap that up. Uh, 75 hours. Saw it all the way through. Saw the secret ending. So now I can say that I've played every game that Hideo Kojima has released in America. And I can I can say he is a bad writer because I've played all his games. <laughs> Speaking with authority. But yeah, the, it, it, like we said last episode or the one before, that you know certain games are just what you need at that certain time. Yeah, exactly. It's like the mechanics is what you wanted. You know, you wanted those mechanics that we've fell in love with or re-fell in love with with Death Stranding so it makes sense exactly so it was it was the right game at the right time um, in a mechanical sense so I'm glad I came back to it glad I remembered it uh, so that was my Metal Gear Solid 5 wrap up I don't think I will ever talk about it again on the show Carlos turning okay. it back over to you I have one more game you got one more game Nino Kuni 2 um, I've seen my wife play this a little bit I've never played it myself but she really liked it a lot I am curious what you make of it sir yeah, it's it's uh, something that's been on my radar. Uh, one of those kind of piles of shame kind of thing. Um, I keep putting off doing it, and then I was like, okay, it was on sale for I think twenty bucks or something, which is PC, pretty good. PS4, where are you at? What was that? PC or PS4? Where oh, are you at? PS4, PS4. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it normally was you know back in the day like a sixty book game. Uh, for sure, for sure. So I think it was twenty or something or twenty two, and I was like, oh yeah, that's I got to get it now. And yeah, it's great. It's uh, level five again. So same developer, but they're not working with Studio Ghibli. Uh, Studio Ghibli, you know, famous for all their amazing anime uh, and art styles. And so it uses the same art style as Studio Ghibli, right? So it's a lot of the same character models and that kind of feel. Uh, and it looks beautiful. I mean, it's really incredible looking game, but it just doesn't have as many cutscenes. And it doesn't have their backing, right? It's not like they didn't work right. on it with them. Right. So you'll see a lot more um, just text and like a little bit of a, you know, instead of like a full video or something, you'll just see like text and cutscenes. Sure, sure, sure. So what is the gist of this game? I, it's some kind of JRPG, correct? Yeah, action, uh, action JRPG. And you are, okay, so you play, you could, you know how those games, RPGs, you could play like, uh, whoever you want in the party. I generally don't like that. I like picking one person. So the story's about uh, a prince, a little kid basically, who has his uh, his whole city kind of taken over by bad mouse people, which, you know, that's what happens sometimes. Oh, mouse that's, people. that's right. They're mice. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it's all an animal. It's an animal-type kingdom. Yes. Um, but, of course, they look like people too, so they're like kind of half-furry-ish. Um, and the kid, yeah, it looks like a kid, but then he's got cat ears or something. Uh, and he has to run away and flee from his castle to, um, you know, because people basically, a coup has taken over his kingdom. And he flees uh, with the help of someone from another dimension. So Nino Kuni, too, Nino Kuni did that same thing where a person from our world went to the world of Nino Kuni, right? Okay. So this is the same thing. A person from our world goes to this land where this you know boy needs help from fleeing his kingdom, and he essentially has to become king again and make his own kingdom. That's the whole story. But here's the weirdness that I did not expect. Okay. The game starts with you. I guess you're the main character. This is who I chose to play most of the time in the game. The character who comes to visit this world, right? The that, human character? The human character. That human character is the president of the United States. 
How I mean, is, not Donald Trump. What are you talking it's about? It's not, fictional? no. It's just a fictional, yeah, a younger guy. By the way, a younger guy for once. Okay. And he's in a driving in a car going to a city. This is not a spoiler. This is the first cutscene. And I don't know what, no one's talking about this. And a nuclear bomb goes off in the city. Are you kidding? No. And I was like, what is this game? I thought I bought Nino Cooney 2 with animals. Why is this happening? And after the explosion goes off, he wakes up in the other world. That's fucking weird. So okay, so let me let me get this straight. The the human president on Earth, yeah, is caught in a nuclear explosion, and yeah. instead of being vaporized, he wakes up in Nino Cooney's animal world. Yes, that's right. And there's that mice. is that is wild. I yeah. don't I yeah, I don't think I knew that. Wait, there's another wild thing, and oh. no one's talking about this. <laughs> oh, shit. In the animal kingdom, you get an iPad. You- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and the iPad gets updated with like comment posts and stuff, and you have to like you can do it like like and comment, you could like the comments and stuff. There's a social media system in the animal world. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. What do you? Is it is it just like cutscene stuff, or is it like do you actually interact with? No, it it's just stuff? like a little thing you can like check every once in a while in your inventory, and like new posts come up, and it like notifies you. It's like there's new posts, and it's like oh that monster that you fought, you know, was photographed, and some people were talking about it. And here's all the comments. And you can like like it. It's weird. That's me, fucking weird. Do you get me, experience for liking things or anything? Like, no, is there some I don't. Mechanical... I don't know what happens because you okay. like it. Like All I've right. been liking a couple things, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Uh, let me tell you about the game real quick, the mechanics, and then this is my quick review. All right. Because that's a lot of setup, but basically it's a JRPG action-oriented combat. Yes, you can switch between all the different characters. I generally play as the president, um, and I play as him and. You know, you definitely have magical abilities and all the stuff you would get uh, out of a JRPG. And it's it's so satisfying. It's very, very... The combat is very satisfying. You have a couple special moves and you have, you know, different weapons and you cycle between different weapons. Um, there's actually a mechanic that cycles between the best sword you should be using for you, which I thought was pretty cool. Interesting. It's like semi-automatic, like, switching, so it just knows which sword you should be using. Um, and, you know, you, you, you go up levels, you get inventory, all that kind of stuff. But the interesting parts of it are, that's the main thing, which is kind of, you know, great action combat. But on the overview, you know, overworld map, you're chibi, you know, so you're little small versions of yourself. You're a big old fat head. Yeah, fat head. And you can, you know, see the enemies... So you can decide when you want to go into battle, uh, which is I always like that instead of just random encounters. Random encounters fucking blow. Fuck, I would much rather see the, my enemies. Yeah, it's the past, man. Yeah, I like yeah. this way. And then, um, you know, and then you, there's story bits, which is a really interesting story, which I won't because I think it's a really interesting story. Um, so that's cool. But then there's Hiddledees, which are these little characters, kind of like the characters from Princess Mononoke. Um, which I think I said that wrong. They're little characters who <laughs> are like Pikmin. Yeah, they're like okay. Pikmin. And they join you in battle once you find them. You kind of like have to... Uh, you f- there's these little stones, and you have to give food to the stone, and then if you give it the right food, you get a hiddle D. None of the stuff I say out loud yeah, for this game makes sense. Yeah, I'm just assuming it makes sense if you play the game. It does. So you get these little guys, and then during battle, when you're running around the battlefield, they'll like start... like gathering up together and if you go over and hit an action button on them they'll do something like one of them makes a turret and shoots like bombs at things or one of them heals you and so it's really cool to have these little pikmin running around and you never feel like you're you always have some sort of kind of defense uh with them so that's another mechanic here's the third mechanic uh you do a city builder because essentially you're building a kingdom again like a sim city sort of thing yeah so you basically get resources for things and put them back into certain things, and then they'll build, like, um, a weapon shop. And then that weapon shop gets upgraded. And then when it's upgraded, it makes better weapons. So there's a whole management level going on there. And then on top of that, there's uh, strategy battle sections where you go to and, like, take over um, an army. You're, like, fighting with a little army. And it's, like, chibi-style running around the, the battlefield. Uh, fighting enemies in a, in a kind of different strategy element. So there's like four or five different elements going on. They all do make sense together. And it's a very, very good JRPG. Interesting, interesting. I saw my wife playing it a while ago. I didn't, I mean, to be honest, I didn't pay too much attention because I was, I think, playing my own game at the time. But she seemed to really like it a lot. And I, 
I, I tried the very first Nino Kuni and I bounced off it because it was just too JRPG. Like, it just didn't really do it for me. But watching the little bit that I saw seemed pretty interesting. It kind of got my interest up, although I don't play a lot of JRPGs. Do you think, do you think um, there's enough there for someone like me who's maybe interested in the different systems? And what you've described sounds kind of interesting. But if it's just, like, a lot like a JRPG, I probably will bounce. Is it different enough? Do you think it might catch my attention? I think in general, I mean, 75% of the time, well, that's not true because there's a lot of cutscenes, And there's a lot of interesting messages. I think they're trying to, I'm so interested in what the ending is, right? Because the ending is, we got to go back to that nuclear explosion and the president. Like, what is happening? Interesting. So, and, okay. and, and there's a lot of stories of deception. And like, uh, you know, there's like this society that's like, uh, deceiving their townspeople and cheating them. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of messaging going on here. That so, sounds like a very current affairs sort of a game. Yeah, I think there's current affairs mixed in with it. And, you know, there's a lot of good uh, messages there. And the systems are so different that if you played it just to, uh, like, grind a little bit and go build up your town and then grind a little bit and do a strategy element and then find new Hiddledies and see their Pikmin abilities, like, you could just play it for that loop and... Yeah, it's. I think it's different than a regular traditional RPG. It feels like a whole set of systems that are just fun to play. Did you ever play Act Razor, Carlos, back yeah, in the day on course. Super Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's like a classic, and that was one of my favorite games. Not because it did. For people who don't remember, Act Razor was on Super Nintendo. It was a game that you played like an angel or something, and half the game was doing 2D platforming action. The other half of the game was a city builder, like Sim City, where you were helping solve people's problems and building up their towns. And the thing that I loved about that game was that either even while neither one of those halves were very good on their own, that sounds like a really negative thing to say, but I, I don't mean it sound negative. Neither one of those things would have been good enough to say on its own, but because you went like to action, you do a level, go back and do some city building, do a level of that, go back and do some action. Like I loved the back and forth and that ended up being like one of my favorite Super Nintendo games because of that variety. Is that the same kind of feeling here? Like, are you doing a little bit of this and then you bounce and do a little bit of that, a little bit yeah. of that? Like, yeah, okay. yeah, it really is. It really is. I would say you do a lot of action RPG stuff too, though. I mean, like that might be up to be 40 or 50% of the game, right? Okay. But in a other in a, in a other type of game, you would be 90% of the time, right? You just right, attacking. Right, 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 right. So it definitely splits it up enough. to like Right now, when I go back to it, like I'm thinking about how to upgrade my new weapon shop. Like That's the first thing I'm thinking about, not like going and grinding. So, yeah, I think it's really good. It's such an interesting thing, and they did a cool thing with it. And by the way, I'll report back on this podcast because that ending's got to be ridiculous. I want to know about that. I want to know. You know, I, I saw this game... I, I forgot about it. I had moved on from my life. But now that you're talking about it, you've actually kind of piqued my interest in it. I don't know that I have time for it literally right now, but I, I think maybe I'm going to bump it up on my list. I, I'm sure I've got a copy of it somewhere. Maybe my wife's got a copy laying around. Maybe I will give this another try because you've caught me interested. Yeah, I'm interested. All right. That is Nino Kuni 2. You're playing it on PS4, correct? PS4, yep. Excellent. One uh, last game for me to talk about. Uh, Frostpunk is a game where it is a it's a very big break out of the norm for me i don't usually play sim games i don't usually play rts games i don't like those kind of games i don't like these kind of like pc centric genres um, and i feel like that's what this is uh but i i i was very curious about this one because people said it had a lot of uh, cool story building elements a lot of human element uh neat little setting so i got into it i got it from gamefly uh, still not sponsored by Gameplay on this podcast. If they'd like to kick us a few bucks, that would be totally fine. Uh, but what what it is basically is you play a group of people who are traveling north. The world has fallen into uh, permafrost. Like, I don't know, the sun's getting cold or something, and the world is just freezing. And so you guys are looking for a place to live. You travel north, and you find, like, this big crater, and you decide to set up the last city on Earth inside this crater. Uh, you have one generator, which makes heat and energy for the whole city. Like the and one in your basement. Like Exactly like the one in my basement. And you need to set up like little coal mines to keep the generator running. You need to set up um, like a wood mill so you have enough wood to build things. you got to build houses for your people. you got to find a way to find food. And you got to keep your city going for as long as possible. But the, the hook is that the world is still getting colder. So like every once in a while, the world will just drop in temperature. And we're talking like, I think by the end of the game, it's like a hundred, like negative 140 degrees or something crazy like that. So you have to like build your city and manage these limited resources. And 
uh, you know, like plan the city out so it's very efficient and also that you can heat it easily and then make your supplies, you know, make sure you have enough supplies for that. And then people will come up to you um, and have requests. Now, this is a, so it's a top-down game. You can see your, your city, uh, pretty good view of the city, the generators in the middle, and you move your cursor around the map and you kind of click on things. You see little people in the town, but they're like dots. They're just like little, weird little dots that are walking around. They're, they're bigger than dots, though, because when I met you on the show, you can see them doing things, though. If you, if you zoom in zoom all in. the way, yeah, 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 you can do that. But if you're, like, just managing the city and doing... Uh, the view that I hung out in most of the time was where I could see most of the city, and they were dots at that point. But, yeah, you, okay. can, yeah. you can zoom in very, very close. And you can even select individual people and see their name and a portrait picture of them and, like, their job... And I remember I told do. you that I, I pinpointed on a child and it was like, he's playing. And I was like, yeah, I won the day. Someone's actually happy in yeah. my town. It's weird. It's okay. So, okay. Let me back it up a little bit. These are the, it's coming from the same people that made this war of mine. Did you ever play that game? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's depressing. So, yeah. It's a depressing game, but that game was about, um, surviving in wartime. I think it was inspired by like Sarajevo events, like in real life. Um, and so you would, you would be scavenging for food and you'd have to decide who you gave your food to and if you stole from other people or if you didn't and if you did violence or if you didn't. And it was all about, you know, the, the story of doing that. But that's an interesting game because when I played that game, that description sounded really interesting to me. But literally playing it ended up just being about, like, managing numbers. Like, it felt like a very stat-based, number-based game where I was kind of just doing spreadsheet stuff and it didn't really have the human element um it didn't really click for me so I, I bounced off that but when i heard they were doing this again interested um thinking about how you have to sacrifice a, a big thing that people talked about with frostpunk was like oh god one of the first things you do is you have to send children to work like do you put kids to work in these factories where they can get hurt or do you not and i'm like okay well that's interesting i i you know desperate times call for desperate measures if we were freezing to death and we needed someone to chop wood and the only person was a kid i would probably have the kid go chop wood i mean if you had to live you got to live right so the game starts out with a lot of interesting questions like that. Do you want your children to work in this factory? Are you going to amputate the people who are sick? Or are you going to just leave them be? Are you going to, you know, like all these different things that come up. And just like this war of mine, it starts out being kind of interesting. And then I found, I don't know about you, but I found the human element fell away pretty quick. Pretty soon I was just looking at numbers. I was like min-maxing how much coal I was getting from a coal mine. And if somebody got an, um, a leg amputated or something, I, it didn't even register with me because it was just about managing the city and managing numbers so i didn't find that the human element came through which is really weird because like you said you can pinpoint each specific person and follow them around their day but it doesn't really i, I just didn't get any value from that like i didn't find it was very easy to do that it didn't matter a lot to me so it became about spreadsheets pretty quickly i think if they would have shown more consequences in cutscenes, yeah it would have probably done that because i was the same way in the very beginning i was like everybody's doing overtime i don't care do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, exactly. overtime. I, I need the most thing out of my thing. And then at some point when I was pinpointing, because I chose to pinpoint characters, right? And this one character said, this person has no one left in the world to love him or something. And I was like, oh, shit. And so then I kind of made, I like conjured up my own feelings based on the description. Yeah. But if that was a cut scene, so if they do Frostpunk 2, let's say, uh, if that was a cut scene, of course it would tear at your heartstrings more and be like, well, maybe I shouldn't do this thing that I'm just min-maxing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would have really liked to have more of the human element. I would have liked to have felt like my choices had more consequences. Because yeah. I just, after the first time going through, I think, uh, so I'll get to that in a second. I played this game probably like 10 times, the scenario mode like 10 times. The first time I was like, oh, should I have the kids work? Oh, I don't know. I love kids. And what about this thing? And oh, should I cut this guy's foot off? I don't know about that. The second through the 10th time, I'm like, fuck it. Just get these numbers up. I don't <laughs> care what's going on. We got to get this thing going. Because um, so the human element fell away pretty quick. And I was a little bit disappointed. It didn't really connect with me more. Um, but I did like the aesthetic a lot. I think your city looks pretty cool because you're inside this little crater. And so as someone who does not play RTS or Sim games, what I really like about this game is number one, you can pause at any time, which is great because I'm terrible at RTS games. I suck. It's probably one of my worst genres. I, they stress me out. I can't manage them. I find them very difficult to play. My brain just doesn't work that way. I've never really been a PC gamer, so I didn't really grow up on those. Um, so I really, really appreciate You can just hit the left button on the D-pad and everything stops. So that yep. gives me a minute to breathe. I really like that a lot. So that's very good. And I like that you can kind of go into these things and kind of take your time. 
and really examine each element and try to figure out what it is you need to do. The game gives you some information that you can use, which is great. Um, maybe not as much as I would like, but you know, you can hit a button and it'll tell you, oh, 10 people are homeless. So that kind of gives you a clue, I should build a house. Or 50 people are starving. Okay, well, I gotta send out some more hunters or something. So it kind of gives you that, that info once you figure out where to look for it. So that's good. Um, the game also gives you a really cool infrared view of your city. So if you're not sure what's warm and what's cold, you hit a one button. The whole thing looks like the Predator vision from, like, you know, Predator. And you'll see, like, the warm houses and the cold houses, and it kind of gives you a good, a good view of that. So I like that you can just stop, take a look. And also I really like that it's not too big. The entire city is in one crater. So even though there can be a lot of buildings in the crater and there's a lot of roads and things going on, it's still basically one screen. So one thing that I always have problems with RTS is, is like something's happening off screen and whatever indicator the game is giving me doesn't really catch my attention. So I'll be focused on one base over here and then somebody's attacking my base over there and I don't notice that and then that base gets obliterated and I'm like, fuck, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah, are they zooming just, in and zooming out all the time? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a pain in the ass. It's a real pain in the ass. Maybe, I you know, some people like it. That's a whole genre. That's great. If you like it, that's cool. But for me, I find it really unwieldy and difficult. So I, I love that the entire city basically... 98% of this game takes place in one crater, which takes up your, your screen. And so you can just take a look at what's going on screen. You don't have to worry about anything else happening off screen. So everything is right before you, which I thought was great. Very smart decision, made it very uh, approachable for someone like me who is a newcomer to these uh, genres and who struggles with these genres. I thought this was um, a good place to get in. Now, here's, here's what I'll say. This game is really difficult when you start it, but there's a trick to it. You have to play this game. You can only choose the campaign at the beginning. And the campaign is hard. Everybody's starving all the time. Everybody's mad all the time. Your citizens are constantly asking for things. You're constantly running out of resources. It's just like a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And you die really easily. And the other thing that happens in this game is there's a lot of hidden triggers and a lot of hidden timers that you don't know about. So, like, you have to have a very specific certain number of things for the end game to win. But they don't tell you that. You don't know what those conditions are. You're not going to know that until you fail the game once. So after you fail the game, then you're like, oh, okay, well, I needed to do this thing. And I needed to do this thing by a certain time. And I need to do this thing by a certain time. So it's not really a freeform sim game. It's really kind of like a puzzle game in a way where once you know what you have to do, and the only way to figure that out is to die, once you know what you got to do, then you have to hit those goals at a certain amount of time, and then you can beat the game. But it's kind of frustrating because you just don't know that stuff ahead of time. There's literally no way to know. So I kind of didn't like how it forced you to, to die a few times and restart the campaign in order to finally win. I did go through it and win, but the other trick to this is that on the default settings, which is, I believe, medium, it's really, really hard. Maybe not hard for other people, but for me as an RTS sim newbie, I found it to be extremely difficult. And if you can make it, uh, if you can survive 20 days in the medium scenario campaign, what happens is a bunch of options unlock that were not there before. So you unlock the ability to go to different scenarios. I think ultimately there's four different campaigns. So you can pick any of those campaigns that you want to do. And the most important thing, you unlock fucking difficulty sliders, which I wish would have been there from the goddamn beginning because I would have kicked it on easy and I would have had a much better time. But once you survive 20 grueling days on the medium zone, um, you can change everything. You can go back, start a new campaign, put everything to easy, and it is much, much, much easier. It's more manageable. I had a lot more fun. I still enjoyed the game, but I was not as pressured and as rushed. And maybe some people like that feeling of pressure and rushing. I don't, especially since I was still kind of learning the game system. So if you try this game, if you like the idea of like surviving in a crater in a freezing world and maybe RTS Sim stuff is not your stuff, but this sounds interesting. I mean, I think it's worth checking out. Just know that you're going to die regardless. There's no way you're going to beat this on the first try. And if you can make it, you know, halfway through the campaign, you'll get the chance to restart with like difficulty sliders. And let me tell you, go back and put everything to easy. Just make it easy on yourself. I, I'm going to do that. And also I didn't know about the 20 hour thing. And what a weird thing to hide behind a, a, a time limit, you know, like, I don't know why they do that, dude. Like they should just have that stuff open from the beginning. But yeah, once I, once I kicked everything to easy, way better and i had a much better time finished the game and i even ended up um liking it so much after being initially so frustrated that i went back and i'm doing some of the other scenarios right now so they they give you one main campaign and then they'll send you to like these other locations like the one i'm in now is a teeny tiny little crater that's very small 
um, very, very limited resources, and you're supposed to like use a bunch of robots. You have robots in this game, and so they're like, yeah, you've got 50 people, but you can build like a bunch of robots. So like, make a robot city. And there's one where, uh, one scenario where two factions of humans in your city are fighting with each other, so you have to manage the conflict between them. So each each scenario has a different like hook to it, which I think is neat. Gives you more gameplay, different uh, application of the of the systems. But you can't get it right away. Like you got to you got to survive 20 days in the main campaign, and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go back to it now that you reminded me of it because I I initially brought it up on the show, didn't I? I believe you mentioned. I don't know if we talked about it in depth, but I know you mentioned you played it before. Yeah, I definitely played. I think I talked about it in the show. We did, did you too many it episodes. Before? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, and I I did a slight review. I think. <laughs> Am God, I did dreaming? You? I don't remember. Maybe or maybe maybe you talking about it is what got me to play it. It's very possible. I definitely talked about it before you because I definitely played it a while ago, but also was frustrated by the difficulty. So, yeah, I will finish because I'm probably in my whatever campaign I'm in. I'm failing, but I think I might be close to that 20 days or whatever you called it. Um, and so yeah. I'll go back in. I'll go back and finish that up and then get the easy mode and, and check it out again. Because I like the idea of new scenarios and different maps, essentially. Yeah, they're totally different maps, different scenarios. And like I said, it's not... And just to be clear, it's not 20 hours of game. It's like 20 in-game days. Days, yeah. So you do have to survive. Like, you can't just, like, set the timer to fast forward and just power your way through because you won't make it. But if you you know, struggle your way through and, and, you know, you hit that 20 mark. It's, it's a good goal because then the bonus of getting the easy mode and the other scenarios is worth it. So yeah. I, I started out hating it and I hated it less as time went on. And then once I unlocked the options, I ended up liking it. So I eventually liked it, but man, talk about like a rough start and it just a lot rougher on the player than it needs to be. But yeah. anyway, Frostpunk, Fro, you know, RTS, Sim, Freezing World, I don't know, kind of steampunk sort of vibe. Overall, really liked it. So I will I will keep playing it, and uh, there we go. Now, Carlos, you usually finish the podcast with games coming up. Do you have any games coming up you're looking forward to? Um, I wanted to do a whole episode, actually, uh, or maybe like a section about the games we're excited about in 2020. Um, and I'm making that list, but I don't, I don't have anything right now on the docket because I feel like January is kind of barren. Yeah, um, yeah, I haven't seen much of anything that I'm like really psyched on besides Disco Elysium. So my list this week is just super short. It's just that game because uh, after I've completed Rage 2 to every nth degree um, and I'll poke around with Nino Kuni 2 a little bit, I think I'll jump right into Disco Elysium. So um, that'll probably be my game coming up next. Excellent. Excellent. OK, cool. I'm looking forward to that, too. Uh, no worries, we'll keep it short this week and we can talk about more games coming up uh, in the future. We also need to get around to our games of the decade, so we will be doing that pretty Oh, soon yeah. Well. I did yeah. make a list of uh, my favorite games of 2010 that's on my podcast, A Lot of Things, if you want to check that out. Um, because I didn't do all the whole decade. I just I just picked one year. And so many good games came out in 2010. Really? Oh, my goodness. Wait, I'll show you the list. It's ridiculous. Okay. All right. Uh, but before, I, uh, before we go, I wanted to say a couple other things. One... I just realized um, how many hours I played in Rage 2 it said the other day. It said seven days. Does that mean 24 hours at times seven? I mean, you tell me, dude. I don't know. Is, is, uh, when when is... games say that, they say, like, you've played it, you know, a, I mean, a full day is 24 hours. I mean, I don't know that I've ever played a game that told me my time played in days. It's usually just hours. Even if it goes into the hundreds, it still counts in hours. It's I weird. Mean... It said seven days and something, what minutes or whatever. And so, like... That means like 160 plus hours. If that's what that means, that's a lot of time, dude. That's like major. That's a huge amount of time. Does that feel about right? I think, yeah, because I've I played Witcher two or Witcher three for 200 probably plus hours. So, yeah, I mean, I've been living, breathing Rage two. So that just tells you how much I like that game. Wow, damn. Okay, yeah. all right, that's huge. Uh, and then also, I wanted to ask the audience because. Um, Everybody was so, they're so uh, quick to give us answers when we ask questions about things. And so I thought, like, maybe a good question to ask on Twitter and on this podcast right now are what are the holiday games people played uh, over the holidays? Like, what are the games people kind of, like, got themselves into uh, or maybe got themselves through <laughs> the holidays? Um, and so, okay, so, like, what was their... Yeah, what what got them through? Like, uh, what was the thing they sunk the most time into, or what did they go back to? Like over the Christmas New Year period, like yeah, because I mean, everybody like I feel like so many of my friends like played games over the holiday break, yeah, like, yeah, either to escape the family or to um, just because they had extra time. And a lot of us have been out of work for a while, you know, not coming back to work yet. So 
Yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting because like, I feel like people love lists, and I'm just interested to see what games that people have played over the holidays. Interesting. Good question. All right. we will. So, folks, if you're listening, please send us your responses, uh, Twitter or email, and I will check those. And uh, I can go out and we can uh, put a tweet out and we'll see what games got people through the Christmas New Year. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I mean, not everybody had the time off, but a lot of people had some time off, and that's usually a good time to catch up with games when you don't have to go to work for a day. I mean, that's, I, mean I find that my biggest barrier to games is usually work traditionally so (laughs) uh, all right good question we will uh put that out to the people folks who are listening we want to hear your answers and then we'll uh, we'll circle back cool all right cool 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 that brings us to the end of this show thank you all very much for listening carlos and i will be back next week with another episode uh in the meantime as stated at the top of the show we love your questions or comments and also we want to get your answers about the uh you know the holiday games Hit us up, so video games podcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com when the show goes up there. We're also on Twitter as a show collectively, at so video games, but you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Uh, which one should I do this week? Uh, let's say a lot of things podcast. So just Google a lot of things, all one word, podcast, and you'll find it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Sounds good. I am at my usual uh, places of residence on Twitter and on Instagram, my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And that is it for us. Thanks again for joining us here at So Video Games, and we will see you next week. In the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Rage 2 from Carlos. <laughs> just just more Rage 2. Always, rage two. always, always rage, two. rage 2. This episode is called Always Rage 2.